Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hi, Richard. Hi again, Stephanie. It's been many minutes since we last did this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we can spot um, depending on our outfit changes, how long it's been. <laughs> yeah, of course. If you're listening to this on audio, you don't get to see the beautiful Stephanie and her her Paris her Parisian fashion sense, which every you know every episode is a new haute couture um, experiment from the from the very elite of Paris fashion designers. Yeah, yeah, your standards are so off base. <laughs> <laughs> you are wearing a blue shirt, so you know, I guess it's to, in a <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly. So maybe the difference to your suburbs, my inner city life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, given how hot it is today, you know, if you're lucky, I'm not wearing a string vest, right? It's absolutely uh, sweltering, and it's what we're calling it's just mid afternoon, so it's really as hot as it's going to be, probably. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, the sacrifices we make for our <laughs> ten and a half million listener base so you know yes. excellent all right so um i think we're on to our ne- well i know we're on to our next topic uh which is all around accelerate learning so tell me tell me some more about what that's about maybe start with your queen quote and then tell oh us- my queen quote yes. my queen quote yeah as you know uh, there's a queen quote for everything and uh, this is, I guess I'm learning, I must be warmer now, right? This is, um, I won't do the whole thing. I'll soon be turning around the corner now. Outside the dawn is breaking, but inside in the dark, I'm aching to be free, which is from the show must go on. Um, uh, and it's just an excuse to get a bit of a queen quote in, to be honest, around learning, right? I guess I'm learning because learning is key, right? I mean, we, um, we live in fast-changing world. Everyone knows that we get hit by more stuff than ever. I mean, this year, 2020, we've seen that so much. Um, and so the questions become, well, it's not so much about performance. It's about adaptation. It's about learning. Are we learning faster than our market? Are we learning faster than our competitors? Are we transmitting learning across our organization so that when we actually learn, we can actually act on it? Um, are we learning about how to even just to manage teams and, and spread that learning uh, across the organization. So when we're in a CEO role or we have a large organization, um, for us to be learning personally is one thing, but how do we actually spread that learning uh, and create a common way of understanding and interpreting everything that's going on around us and the dynamics in that organization and everything else? Because if we don't have that ability, it's extremely hard to make strategic changes, launch new initiatives, focus resources, stop doing some things, start doing other things because there isn't the awareness and the context. So that's the topic for the day. 
Ah, oh, fabulous. That's a subject close to my heart, you know, having experienced the difference between startup culture and corporate culture, the common theme really is adaptation to change. I mean, mm. any company that you work in and different organizations have different levers that they can pull on and different ways to flex. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm all for this accelerate learning topic. That's for sure. <laughs> And it applies to us at every level, right? It applies to us as individuals, how we keep our skills current, as well as to organizations, right? How do organizations keep their skills current um, in this world and stay relevant? Mm. So I guess I got, I got four points. I think two of them are more around insights around learning and the other one are kind of two um, practical kind of actions to take. So I think the, the first one is on the insights. And um, the first one is, words create our world okay words create our world so um i'll give you an example um you know stephanie if you think about your your bank account um <laughs> don't really want to think about my bank account otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> um there is a number right in that bank account right there, there is just the number right on the feet somewhere on some computer yes. there is a number and <laughs> well right but it's just a number, but you could look at that number and go like, wow, I'm so blessed. I, there's so much abundance. This is more than enough. This is great. You know, I'm, it's incredible, fantastic number, right? You could really look at that number and be really pleased and, and uh, satisfied. Or you could look at exactly the same number and go, I can't believe it's not 10 times higher at this stage in my life. What a loser I am, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, this, I'm, I'm pretty much on the edge of precarity, you know, this is, you know, everything's a nightmare, right? You could have those two different views about the same number. And it doesn't actually matter what the number is, right? You could have billionaires or multimillionaires who look at their number and are worried about their future. And you could have people who have a lot less and look at the number and are really satisfied, right? So the words we use um, kind of structure how we think about the number. Um, there's a quote by somebody, you know, um, if you think you can or if you think you can't, in both cases, you're right. Yes, I like that quote. I really like that quote. It's, it's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's true. It's true. It's true. And so one thing I do in my coaching is I'm often listening out for the words that my clients create their world with. Mm. Just the particular word that you use in a certain moment, you go, why did they choose that word in this moment? Uh, what's that showing about how they think about the world? So a classic, you know, people will say things like, you know, I just don't have quality people. That's a really interesting phrase, you know, quality people. I mean, you don't need to go into that particular phrase, but you can imagine un unpacking what is the quality, what are the assumptions behind the idea of quality people, right? Um, what are the, yeah, so you're going to say something. Yeah, no, I was going to ask, when you say um, words create our world, do you mean the language we use in terms of how we express ourselves or how we think creates our own world or creates influences how the world around us sort of interacts with us as well? I think it does both. I think, first of all, it's the filter that we look at our world through, okay? So a classic example, you know, it's like, 
an old married couple or young married couple for that matter, you know, um, well, just even a cycle, life cycle of a relationship, right? You start off um, and, you know, you see certain, you know, you look at certain things about that person, you don't notice, notice other things, right? And then later on, you notice other things yeah, and, and you, you might just um, start to focus on negative things, things that annoy you about that person, right? You could just, um, but our words create our world. So actually, if when you kind of, you know, you can roll over in bed in the morning and look at your partner and go, oh, they're looking a bit grim or a bit old, a bit, you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and that's kind of how you're going to, that, that is, you're literally creating that person now in your mind. Whereas if you roll over and go, oh, this is the love of my life, mm. suddenly you have a different, a different uh, experience of that same person, right? The person hasn't changed, you've, but you're focusing in on something else. And um, so the, I think the words we use reinforce what we see, okay? So have you ever had the example where you learn a new word um, and then literally like the next day, somebody uses that word and you're like, oh, I just learned that word yesterday. Um, that's, because, a, that's a known neurological phenomenon. It's like when you start yeah. researching cars and then suddenly you see the car. There that you go. You, you pay attention to the things that you've just learned about or you... Exactly, you know. exactly. And so the words that we use describe the contours of what we detect. Mm. Um, there is a, a certain culture, right? They have they have different words for light blue and for dark blue. I can't remember which culture it is. And they literally see those colors as different colors because they have different words for them. Um, they don't see them as shades of the same color. They, for them, they're different. Yes. And, and light, light is a spectrum, right? Light is a spectrum. So we've kind of artificially you know, divided up that rainbow into certain tr chunks so that we kind of say that's all basically yellow, that's all basically blue. Um, we could have put different boundaries on that. So word, the words literally cut up our word, world and divide it up in different ways uh, and directs our attention. Yeah, and I, I, I can take the analogy a little bit further <laughs> in that um, although you and I might use the same word for blue, there's no guarantee that we're seeing the same thing. Mm. And right. so sometimes you have to be careful about the words we use may mean different things to each of us. Right. Um, yeah. So words need definition. But when we start, yeah. so right now, so we're moving on. So let's move on. So I think that's the first insight is that words create our world. Okay. And um, listen in for the words that we use because that reveals the grid that we're seeing, reveals what we're actually looking at and, and the other things that we're not seeing. Again, and just another one is the example of a low performer. You know, this person is a low performer. Well, hang on. They're a senior executive. They, they obviously, they're not just a low performer. They've often, they've risen through the ranks. Yeah. And now, right now, in this season, you, they're not delivering in some way. But like to actually put the label low performer on them, there's probably something else going on there. But if you do that, once you've got that label on, that is how you're going to see that person. They are a low performer. Yeah. You could put a different label on that person, right? You could put that label on, um, you know, uh, high performer being massively undermined by some stupid behavior right now. I mean, I'm making it up, but, but the words that we use will define the learning and the insights that we see. So let's move on to the next part, which is the second point, which is why I wanted to go from what you just said around uh, that social dimension. Are we using the same definition of the words? Mm. And so this, the second insight, if, so on the personal level, worlds create our world. It also applies corporately. And so language creates culture. Yeah. And now this is a game changer 
because culture eats strategy for lunch, as everybody knows. Culture is what happens when you're not looking, I like to say. Right? No, when nobody's looking, culture is what you do. Um, culture is normally what has been proven to succeed, has been proven to work in a certain context. I have, an, I have a client who has quite a siloed um, regional organization. The regions don't really trust each other. Um, and I think it's just because in, in a previous, you know, in previous years, it, it was, they, they found out that if they tried to do things with across countries, it never quite worked and it's better to do it ourselves. So you create a culture, it's better just to do it ourselves. It's not because people are being jerks. It's just because they've learned that's the way to make things happen in this context. Yeah. And yeah, and there's, you know, there's also the, the learning how to deal with different cultures, which is a whole topic in of itself. Yep. Um, and there's the, I'm just going to digress a bit, but, you know, there's, there's the sort of classic story about, um, you know, French team and an English team. And the English team found the French team awfully, like, aggressive and uh, always very demanding and, you know, always, you know, pushy. Mm -hmm. um, and it turned out that the reason they thought this is because the French team was always saying, I demand this, I demand that, because it was a Franglish, um, you know, the yeah. demand in French is I ask, yeah. and they, they were asking, but actually they were demanding, right, and it yes. creates a whole cultural issue yeah. and dynamic between the French teams and the English teams. Uh, right, yeah, so that, yes, a great example. So, so what happens often, so you know, language uh, you know, is, is what creates culture and, and, uh, and, and it always has done. Um, every tribe, every company, every, uh, you know, every country or whatever has, has a language that um, encodes the words that are valuable and gives them a definition. And you, you basically fix a lot of meaning into these few words that can really deliver certain uh, impact right so i like to joke you know that uh, you know to my french friends i'll say well you know you know in britain we don't have word for bon appetit right we have to use the french one that says something about british cooking right uh, we don't have a word for restaurant you have to import the french one it shows something about you know and that always gets <laughs> yeah so i always get you know always makes me friends in france is to criticize you know english um so uh, so so creating this language is super important and and actually often it's the reason that leadership development often doesn't work it's because you take the leaders out of their context you take them on an away day you give them all some exciting training about how to manage their teams you put them back into their culture nothing else has changed in that environment and so they've got an exciting binder but there isn't a new conversation happening in the team yeah and it's very hard for one person to have a conversation uh in that context right it just fades away so the conversation just brings you back to the the culture to back back, well, back to normal you know, there's a there's a classic um you know there's a classic complaint about you know whenever the leadership team go away for their annual conference and then they come back with all these exciting ideas and new things which most of them die because the rest of the organization has no idea what they're talking about yeah you know hasn't yeah. had all this training about why all this stuff is so important and you know really and they haven't, yeah they have they haven't had the guru for for two days they've got their manager for about two yeah. minutes yeah start with, team, <laughs> start with a team meeting right um and that's why um so that's again at heart of what i've been really focusing on is how do you make things simple and sticky so you can transmit these ideas with simple words that you can clearly define and help managers communicate into their organization to create a common culture because 
you talk about company culture, but underneath that there is a, a leadership culture, which is a CEO you need to develop because you really want a common, you really want all your managers in the company using world-class management techniques and leadership approaches. But how do you spread that learning? How do you accelerate the learning of your whole managers in a consistent way? Well, I think it's through language. Well, I know it's through language, I've seen it work, right? When you, when you actually give people language and simple ways of simple frameworks in their mind, we're wired for that. You know, we, we can naturally absorb words and language and meaning. Um, and once we give people that, then you can create a consistency so that you know that every manager has the same way of looking at a certain topic. Um, I'll give you a very different example. When I was in, um, in consulting, it, it was 2001, there'd just been the dot-com crash. And I was in telecoms at the time, uh, telecoms uh, focused um, you know, industry and uh, sales were difficult. And so the um, CEO sent everybody on, I think it's Miller Hyman, it's quite famous, well, well-known company, right, doing sales training. Mm -hmm. And they had a whole process, it took us a day. Mm -hmm. um, that changed our sales culture overnight and drove performance mm -hmm. uh, really, really fast. Now, I met up with a couple of colleagues 20 years later, and we all remembered that. Yeah. training it's not many trainings you can say that about but i tell you what it wasn't about i mean they've written a book and there's all this extra stuff mm. and the whole process and all the ins and outs and competitive analysis it, it wasn't about any of that that was the game changer the game changer was simply that they had um given us a language to talk about opportunities in a structured way so it was around you know if you're doing a complex sale who is your economic buyer right who writes the check you know who is your user buyer who's actually going to have to put up with whatever you do, you know, who's a technical buyer, who, you know, HR, procurement, whatever, who they can say, no, they can't say yes. And who's your coach, somebody who really wants you to succeed, who's in the organization. And super simple, that stuck with me 20, 30 years later and has changed the way I think about selling, right? All the other, the, 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 all the checklists and all the processes and this, the, they had a sheet you filled in for each account, you know, I don't do any of that. But that language shaped the way I thought and it shaped my colleagues. And we have that common um, culture even now. Yeah, but I find it funny because I think I've, I've done the same sales training. And, and again, I don't use any of the spreadsheets and all the forms that we we're supposed to fill out. But the concepts around, you know, find your sponsor, find your champion, you know, yeah. all that. Um, I do use it. I use it all the time. Right. But, but that's the stuff, you know, the sort of the key words, the key languages, what stuck, all the mechanics, the mechanics didn't really, the mechanics actually come from sort of the, the understanding of the concepts of the words that were used. Um, yes. But it's true, it's, you know, the same, you, you all do this training and then they reinforce the training um, and, and the rollout is important and, and it can, you know, shift uh, organization. And I, you know, I saw it happen um, I saw it happen at uh, Spring Club where we did a massive growth mindset sort of rollout. And there, what was extraordinary, it, was, it wasn't just the leadership team who got training. You know, they, they took the time to make sure that um, the training got delivered at different levels. It mm. wasn't just the leaders just regurgitating what they vaguely remembered from yeah. the leadership training. You know, there was a systematic rollout. And that's really hard to do, really hard to do. But boy, is it effective if you can. If you yeah, can. it's an example of like doing a few things and really, uh, really nailing them. And so that's one thing I, 
I find works really well. I'll start to work with an executive, with their team perhaps. And then it's like, okay, you're starting to learn this language, right? I've been seeding in these discussions, this language. Imagine if everyone in your organization had that language to work with. So often, often organizations are quite good at coming up with strategic language, like for some of their strategic priorities and things like that. And they, they encode that sometimes quite well, but often they don't really have that um, management language, right? That, um, you know, how do we, how do we deal with people? How do we set goals? How do we do this? You know, how do we have all of that in a, in a simple way that people can absorb and, and start to speak and, and, and use it with each other? Because actually it starts to propagate by itself once you can get it to that level. Yeah. So language creates culture is the second part. Um, and so these are almost like these, these two things about language, I think are really key for creating this kind of kind of like underlying infrastructure, right? For spreading learning across an organization because learning is communicated through words fundamentally and simple, the simpler the better. Yeah. I guess it's about making sure we're, when we're using words, we're talking about the same things. And, um, mm. and to your point right at the beginning, words create our worlds, you know, that if there is a common language, that language is going to encourage and uh, accelerate a certain level of behavior or attention. Exactly. This is just a quick interlude before we get back to today's main conversation. To celebrate the launch of the podcast, we're giving away, for the first time ever, a coaching package valued at over $3,000. You can use it yourself or you can give it to a friend or colleague who wants to multiply their impact. To enter, all you have to do is leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or in your preferred podcast app and send a screenshot to podcast at xquadrant.com and do that before 15th of September 2020. If you do miss that deadline, then leave a review before the 15th of October and there'll be a chance to win a smaller coaching package. For all the details, head to xquadrant.com slash podcasts. Reviews are the lifeblood of any podcast. And so whether or not you're within the eligibility time, it would still be fantastic if you would leave us a review, if you like the podcast, or if you see the potential in the future as we continue to refine it, develop it, and add to it. Many thanks, and let's get back to that conversation. So now let's, let's talk about how we actually, uh, how can, you know, what can we actually do? I mean, there's, again, there's loads of things about how you actually embed a language. We won't do that on, the, on this episode, but here are kind of two, two things that you, you can start to think about. The first one is, um, for accelerating learning, is ask high-value questions. Uh, you know, ask high-value questions. It's um, because learning really, you know, the ahas come when you question an assumption. I think the world looks one way and then ah, something new comes in. So you, know, you can learn, obviously, you can learn, like you can learn a new fact, you can learn that there's a new competitor or you can learn that there's a new regulation, right? And that's important you know, to do. But I think the game changers tend to be, you know that thing we believed? Huh, perhaps it's not quite what we, that's not quite the way things work. Um, and, I, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I guess um, I'm just trying to understand sort of what you mean by high value questions uh, or, or, or questioning assumptions. Yeah. It's hard to, to, to figure out, you know, where you have an assumption. Um, and yeah. the closest I can think of is, is, you know, whenever working with customers, probably one of the first, probably one of the first things I would do is just make sure I absolutely understood what they were talking about. So, you know, I'd ask them to describe my, their business. And then I'd say, so when you say this, is this what you, you know, like just to make sure I understood their vocabulary and yeah. what inevitably happened was that you'd realize that, you know, you, you, they, they had different meanings associated. We, we each had different meanings yeah. associated with the same phrases. And so you, you ended up creating glossaries, you know, and just trying to make sure we understood. Mm. I guess, so my question is, how do you translate that into an internal sort of leadership, running yeah. an organization, accelerate learning context? How, how do you find mm. the assumptions to challenge? Like what? Yeah, so I think the first thing is, it's listening in to the words, right? So you're trying to listen in. And when you hear a word, which is not, yeah, we, some words will just catch our ear and we go, that's an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. That's a good place to start because worlds create our world, right? That it's, there's something there, there's an assumption there that is happening. Um, um, yeah, and, and the other one is looking at what are the trade-offs that, that we are assuming are true here. So, you know, if we do this, then we're not going to be able to do this. Or if we do this, then there's a huge risk of this. Um, um this so if there's those kind of things where there's the obvious trade-off that people are saying mm -hmm. i think that that's a really interesting one to dive into and i would use the x quadrant approach right you know you got two you know you put the put the assumptions not on one axis either or but you put them on two axes yeah both and and you say well could we do both yeah uh you know how could we like how could we double our revenues and all go home at four o'clock right <laughs> Ah. wonderful <laughs> but why not right if you set that as an objective well what would have to be true for us to do that mm. huh. um it might have been assumed that you couldn't do both but suddenly well, you open up a new possibility and i think sometimes it's um uh the way to challenge your assumptions is to to listen when people people ask you questions and mm. like to really think about the answers you're providing uh, the the only parallel I can think of is you know I've just recently it's been four years since I came to France but I think it probably wouldn't have happened because I'd spent 20 years assuming that something would get in the way and it wouldn't happen mm. it wasn't until you know and I tried at various times it wasn't until someone challenged me again and said well Stephanie why aren't you doing it mm. so I thought oh yeah you know you some, sometimes things become routine and you forget yeah. to and you know you need people around you it's why the danger of the yes men on your team as a leader yeah you need the people who challenge because exactly so these, these are back to the high value questions so you know what if the opposite is true is yeah. a nice one right so when, when there is an assertion well, what if the opposite is true how what would that look like or how you know how could we test that um another one is is this now for is when people use the words always or never <laughs> yes right <laughs> Mm. Yeah, anything which is always or never you go, really mm. in what situation would that not be the case yeah. um so there's definitely an art around asking high value questions and um uh, but i think a lot of this is 
you know, it's digging in to some of those assumptions that you hit, you're trying to pick up on in in your team and your organization. Um, and then I think related to that is the second action point is around building a learning cycle. So I think I talked about this in a previously, this idea of doing the decide, do and debrief, right? So you set your strategy, you go ahead and, or you, you know, you set your projects, you go and actually execute and not mess around with what you decided you were gonna do. And then when you've done them, you stop and review. And often that review cycle doesn't get done because we're always stretching on to the next thing. We're pushing for the next thing, right? Uh, weekly reviews, one-on-ones with managers are often like, yeah, okay, um, did you get it done last week? Yep, yep, good, right, you know, no, what went wrong with that, okay? And then, right, let's talk about it next week. If we just slow it down and get curious, it's like, so, you know, so it worked really well with the, you know, client so-and-so. What was your biggest insight from the way you handled that discussion? You know, what was, what worked in what you did? What, or um, how could, you know, how could you have, uh, how could you have done that even, you know, how could you have had that conversation in half the time? Or you, know, you can just ask these questions to encourage a reflection on the actions. So action without reflection, we don't learn. We just keep going faster and faster. And, and I find, again, with my coaching clients, I, I had a client, he had a high value conversation, a, a critical conversation coming up. We coached him around it. And then, um, and then the day after, happened to have him on the phone again. I said, well, how did it go? And he said, oh, actually, it was really great. This is what happened. And Again, I could have just said, great, and let's move on to what we're doing today, which is on a different topic totally. And I just stopped and said, no, so what's your note to self? Yeah. What's your note to self on that one? What's, what are you going to learn from that next conversation? And just by taking that time to learn and to articulate the learning, yeah. you've just added a little thing on, you know, you've accelerated it, right? You've yeah. actually taken the time. I think uh, it's the point of uh, articulating the learning, cements it in. Is there something you can know instinctively that, you know, you had a coaching session, you then had a conversation which went well. If you don't then take that next step of articulating, okay, what's the insight? What did I get from there? It's, it's just another memory trick. It's another reinforcement trick. Yeah. Just get that learning to really sit and sink in. Otherwise, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be from a coaching session. It can be anything, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I did a a presentation um, yesterday and it wasn't it wasn't my, I wasn't that happy with it I'll be honest it wasn't that happy with it it wasn't it was okay it wasn't like bad but it I didn't feel it f flew it, it wasn't great and um, and so I made a few notes on it today it's like what do I need to learn from that oh yeah I didn't do, oh, yeah I didn't do that I did this you know that didn't really work that approach I need to try, change I'm not so worried about that because I think we should celebrate our rate of learning, right? Um, people say celebrate failure. I wouldn't say celebrate failure. I'd say no. celebrate learning. So celebrate the learning that comes from failure. So definitely in a team situation, ask people um, you know, what hasn't worked and what have they learned from that? So rather than going, you guys, we celebrate failure, who's failed, you know, so forth. It's like, fine. It's okay to fail. It's not great. I mean, it's not what we want, but it's okay to fail. But what, what I'm really excited about is when you've actually learned through that failure yeah. and celebrate that and put the focus on that and actually go first. As a leader, if you can say, you know, I screwed up, I did this, and I, what I've learned from that is I, I need to do this. Then you create that culture of learning. 
uh, and of self-reflection. Yeah, and it, you know, I think uh, one of the reasons for a learning culture is so important is that um, you know, at, in, at the difference from you know, fail, you know, the, the language of failure and success, you know, makes people very afraid of failure. And if you never risk failure, you never you don't create the opportunity to learn. So you're going to have to shift shifting the focus onto what have I learned rather than what worked and what didn't, mm. but rather what did I learn? I think is a is, is an interesting way to sort of switch that, just shift that focus a bit onto something which is actually more productive and actually more beneficial for the long term. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, some language in a, um, that I would use is, you know, performance culture versus learning culture. Mm -hmm. um, and I do like that because they both sound quite good. Um, whereas, like, if you talk about fixed mindset and growth mindset, then it's like, again, it's like, I have a growth mindset, you, you loser has got a fixed mindset, right? Um, um, as I often get, yeah, the problem is all these other people, they've got, you know, fixed mindsets, I've got a growth mindset. Uh, um, yeah, I know I have a fixed mindset about certain things, like my ability to sing, right, is bad and it's never going to get any That's my fixed mindset, right? Um, yeah, I have a fixed mindset about my ability to, you know, do long distance running, right? It's not true, but I don't believe I'm going to be any good at that ever, right? Um, I'm sure if I trained, I could be, right? But we all have this. But what with the performance mindset, that's really saying, um, that I'm the what's really important is, is is that performance right now is the most important thing right performance right now and <clears throat> if you're in a stable well-defined context then that might be enough right sometimes but when things are shifting uh, and you need adaptability then actually you might want, you know, you might be, then your, your predictor of future success is going to be that, that learning mindset, because that's what's going to set you up for the future. And I think in this, in this world where we've had, you know, COVID and things have changed around, one of my clients runs a sales team and was saying, well, you know, it's hard because we're not delivering on the numbers we thought we were going to deliver on the start of the year. People are feeling a bit demotivated. Yeah. Um, and so the discussion got around to, well, how can you how can you accelerate their learning right how can you create that learning culture so even if we're not hitting the numbers that we thought can we track the progress that we're making in re in adapting to this environment in learning and getting better in figuring out new customer needs right in in actually um getting to the right answer if you like quicker than our competitors are going to get to whatever and to focus on that because that's something people can uh, control and it also opens up you know when you learn the future becomes brighter right when we learn uh, yeah and I would say also um, you know everyone likes change that we choose but change that happens to us is a deeply uncomfortable and, and quite can often be quite a painful experience um, but looking at it through a learning lens actually makes it easier to manage and easier to sort of move forwards from whatever change it is that happened. Performance, yeah. when you're going you know, to random change gets thrown at you, a bit mm. more challenging, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Learning is the key, I think, to dealing with that change that's thrown at you. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's it, really. So the, on the inside, it's really around this question of language, right? Words create our world, language creates culture. And as, as leaders, we have responsibility to be very strategic about the language that we are 
bringing into our company and into our managers. And that's what I love doing. It's what I love helping people with because um, I just see the power of that. Mm. And then asking high value questions and building that learning cycle where we're not just in action mode all the time, but we actually take the time to pause and to reflect, mm -hmm. to close the loop uh, is really the dynamic of how you're going to accelerate uh, a learning culture. Fabulous. Wow. Okay. So accelerating that learning, yet another multiplier, <laughs> which I think is oh. probably going to be a trickier one to execute. I think a bit more help needed there, but I really like the concepts um, that, that, you know, your words create your world. I think that, that really, really sticks. Language creates culture. It's just going to stick in the head. Um, so then what... Yeah, see what I did there. I used language to get it to stick, right? I mean, <laughs> what else do we have, right? What else do we have? Um, actually, a little practical, little practical tip, actually, is, is saying we have a saying creates a saying. So if, if I say, like, if, if you just say, um, I don't know, like, um, well, if I just said, oh, yeah, world spread our world or something, and, we keep, and you wouldn't notice it. But if I said, I've got a saying, words create our world, then just by bracketing it, it lodges it as an entity. So I often tell people if they've got a leadership thing that they want to uh, express, just package it into a saying and don't just say it, announce it as a saying. You know, I've got a, I've got a, like, you know, so rather than just saying there's no such thing as, um, you know, like, I know you might say, I'm thinking of an example, you know, all learning is good. You might just say all learning is good, right? Mm -hmm. So rather than just saying all learning is good, just say, you know, I've got a saying, all learning is good. Um, and suddenly it will go into your team, especially if you say it a few times. It's kind of it's not just you saying it, there is a saying that many people are saying. Yeah, it's not even borrowing credibility of anybody else. It's just identifying it as an object in this culture. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's packaging it just into, there is a saying, it's, it wasn't just a sentence I made up. Mm. This, is a, this is an object I'm kind of giving you, a learning point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, a bonus extra there before we move on. <laughs> So talking of moving on, <laughs> yeah. Um, the next time then. The next time it's the uh, really simple one: addressing friction and drama. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the exciting one. <laughs> that's going to be good. So yeah, that's because uh, obviously. Uh, always a good tell. <laughs> yeah, there's always going to be one. So, um, so that's what we're going to talk about. So um, yeah, how do we? And this is really around the limit. The limitation of collaboration right how do we actually get people to collaborate and not actually just create friction and rub up against each other and slow things down so how do we actually um, what does that look like in the 21st century cool very cool so i guess as always if people are interested in learning more uh, subscribe to this podcast uh, or head to the youtube channel or to xquadrant.com our website where there will be the show notes um, but any final thoughts on this topic before we go? Yeah, I think accelerating learning, as you said, is a habit to be built. It's not, there's no simple tick box answer, but it is the pinnacle of leadership. I think we move through, um, we move through um, stages of management and so forth, and, but actually helping become a leader that can help a team actually becomes self-learning and self-improving and can learn at a faster rate 
if you can actually instill that as a culture, that's incredible. Mm. And so, so it's something worth aiming for, right? Again, in future episodes, we could go into more detail on any of those points and do other things. But I think realizing that your job is not just to manage a team or to motivate the team. It's not just to fill in the gaps that the team aren't doing by themselves. Um, it, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's beyond that. It's actually to accelerate the whole learning of the team uh, and to hopefully make that self-replicating, self-learning and to multiply other leaders, help other leaders learn. So I think it, it really is a, a high calling. And then to do that, it's about slowing down to speed up, right? It, that's the hard thing. We love the task focused, right? We love, we love just driving and going fast and getting things done. But this does require counterintuitive pausing a little bit and slowing it down to get the insight, mm. which is a challenge, but so worth doing. Uh, definitely something to aspire to. Thank you, Richard, for that insight. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Uh, it's always great speaking to you. And um, well, hopefully we'll, um, well, in a few weeks, a few days time, we'll be on again doing, the, uh, doing that simple topic of friction and drama. So look forward oh, to that. I'm looking forward to it very much. Thank okay, you. Stephanie, take care. Yeah. Goodbye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in a position of top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? Well, this is what we do. If you'd like to know more about our community of extraordinary leaders, visit us at xquadrant.com.